Our scripture reading today uh, will come from two places, uh, both from the book of Judges. You can find the scripture reading on the back of your outlines. The first place there is from Judges 3, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 26 through chapter 4, verse 1, and then also be reading by way of background Judges 5, the verses 6 through 8. Our text today is actually one verse, Judges 3, verse 31, but I want to read some surrounding verses that go along with it. Also, just to have you note, there are two outlines, or I should say two papers in your bulletins. Uh, one has a map on it, which I'll be referring to in the sermon, and then the sermon outline on one side and the scripture reading on the back of the other. <clears throat> Let us pay careful attention to the public reading of God's holy and infallible and errant word. We'll start from Judges 5, beginning at verse 6. <clears throat> in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel <clears throat> when new gods were chosen, when war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among the 40,000 in Israel? And then from Judges chapter 3, beginning at verse 26. Ehud escaped while they delayed, and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sierra. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader. And he said to them, follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men, not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. Thus the reading of God's word today from Judges chapter 5 and Judges 31. Well, congregation of our Lord Jesus, as some of you were looking in the bulletin this morning, you saw that one verse text, you maybe thought to yourself, well, how can we have an entire sermon on just one verse in the Scriptures based on the judge Shamgar? And yet, you should know that if that's how you were thinking, you are likely thinking the same way that a liberal biblical critic thinks about this verse. Now, what do I mean about a liberal biblical critic? A biblical critic has a liberal view of Scripture. And that means that when he approaches the Word of God, he's not treat the Word of God as if it's the inerrant and infallible Word of God. The liberal critic approaches the Scriptures as if there are errors in the Word of God. And so when he comes to a verse like Judges 3, verse 31, which doesn't fit the complete pattern of the other judges in the book of Judges, and just because it's one verse sandwiched between the judge Ehud and the judges Deborah and Barak still to come, who both fit that same pattern, the liberal critic concludes that verse 31 about Shamgar 
probably doesn't belong here in our text. And so he begins to think of another place in the book of Judges that this verse might belong. And so he recognizes that Shamgar is fighting the Philistines. And there's nowhere in the first part of the book of Judges where we read about fights with the Philistines. And so he concludes that the placement of this judge Shamgar here at the end of Judges chapter 3 must be an error. And this verse would better fit, so the liberal critic concludes, at the end of the book of Judges when we find Samson fighting the Philistines after chapter 13. And so he begins to try to find a place where it might fit in, Shamgar and Samson fighting the Philistines. But of course, we do not read and approach the Bible like a liberal biblical critic. Instead, as conservative critics, Christians, we read and approach the Bible that this is the infallible and the inerrant Word of God. And we recognize and believe that God doesn't make mistakes in His Word. And so instead of trying to prove why this verse doesn't belong here, or skipping over it because it seems unimportant, we need to seek to know and understand why God has put this one verse here about Shamgar in the book of Judges. And more importantly, we need to know what vertical salvation message God has to reveal to us through this one verse Judge Shamgar. And how the salvation that God used him to bring to his Old Testament people points to the promised eternal salvation that he would someday bring through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to all of his people. And so let's start today with how the judge Shamgar is unique to the overall structure of the book of Judges. Shamgar, you see, does not fit the pattern. In previous sermons, I've pointed out how throughout the book of Judges, God's people go through this repeated pattern of falling into sin, worshiping other gods, God bringing misery upon them through an enemy that's near them, and then God sending a deliverer to bring his deliverance. I put that pattern again on the front of your outlines this morning. Israel worships other gods. The Lord sells them into the hand of an enemy. The people cry out to the Lord. The Lord sends a judge. The judge delivers Israel. Israel then has rest in the land. That pattern takes place over and over again through the book of Judges. And in the first two Judges in chapter 3, starting with Othniel, we've been able to find the exact details of this pattern. In fact, the pattern is based on Othniel. And then the second judge, Ehud, pretty much follows the same pattern. But now as we come to this third judge, Shamgar, in which there's just one verse, the judge's sin deliverance pattern is broken. Not every judge will follow this same pattern in every detail. And Shamgar is the first judge in the book of Judges that breaks Israel's pattern of sin, misery, and God's deliverance. In other words, the pattern is missing with Shamgar. He's the first judge that breaks that pattern. And by the end of the sermon today, you will see why. And that leads us then to the second thing we need to know about the judge Shamgar when it comes to the overall structure of the book of Judges. Shamgar is a minor judge. Overall, the book of Judges, there are 12 total judges in the book. And amongst those 12, there are six what we call major judges. 
And that means that in the book of Judges, there are six judges where there is a significant number of verses and sometimes a significant number of chapters devoted to those judges and how the Lord used those judges to save his people. And then there are six minor judges where we're not told very much information about them at all, and they're minor judges because it seems that what they've done is less significant. But the reason they're minor is not that they were less significant, but that there is not as much information in the book of Judges revealed about them. And so, by the way, that's another reason why a liberal critic does not like Shamgar placed where he is. They like to say that the biblical writer just wanted to put him there because he wanted to have 12 judges. Biblical writers like the number 12. We have 12 tribes of Israel. We have 12 disciples of Jesus. And so this author of Judges, he just wants to have 12. He didn't know how to get to 12. He found this verse on Shamgar and he just stuck it right there. And so again, we say, this is the inspired and infallible word of God. Shamgar is one of the 12 judges. And because he was a judge, his judgeship is described in only one verse. And although he does not fit all the details of the overall pattern, it's not a reason to dismiss him because God has inspired the writer of the book of Judges to put the minor judge Shamgar here for a reason. And what is that reason? God's vertical salvation message is his reason that comes from the judge Shamgar. And so let's start with that one verse we're given, verse 31 of Judges Chapter 3, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Who was the judge Shamgar? Shamgar, I believe, was a converted Gentile. Now, why do I say that? You remember in the book of Judges thus far, and later in the book of Judges as well, each judge comes from a particular tribe of Israel. In Judges chapter 3, we read how Othniel, the first judge, was from the tribe of Judah. We read how the second judge, Ehud, was from the tribe of Benjamin. And nearly all the judges in the book of Judges, we are told what tribe of Israel they came from. But when it comes to the third judge, Shamgar, there is no tribe of Israel connected with his name. In fact, Shamgar is not even a Hebrew name or an Israelite name. The roots of the name Shamgar show that Shamgar was a Canaanite name. And so if he didn't come from the people of Israel, where did he come from? Verse 31 tells us Shamgar was the son of Anath. Who was Anath? Anath to the Canaanites was a false goddess. Anath was a Canaanite false goddess of war. And it was connected to the worship of Baal and Ashtaroth. And that means that Shamgar's father named him when he was born after a Canaanite goddess of war. And so what does that mean in terms of Shamgar's name and him being a judge of Israel? There are some scholars who say, well, that means that Shamgar must have been an unbeliever. And perhaps Shamgar, God is raising up 
an unbelieving pagan judge to save his people Israel. The more and more I've studied, I've thought about this in preparation for this sermon, for me, that just doesn't seem possible. And so I and many other conservative scholars believe that a better approach to Shamgar would be to see him not as a pagan, but as a converted Gentile who came to believe in the God of Israel. A converted Gentile like Rahab who helped the spies at Jericho. A converted Gentile like later we'll see with Ruth the Moabite who leaves her Moabite people and joins Naomi and the people of God. And so why do we say that about Shamgar? Let's start by looking at the town, which is similar to his name and where he likely came from. The town in Israel, well, Shamgar, in the land of Israel, where Shamgar most likely came from, is found in chapter 1, verse 33. I put that verse on your outlines this morning there so you could see it and be reminded of that verse. Chapter 1, verse 33 of Judges says, Naphtali, the tribe of Naphtali, did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. And so if you look at your map, you can see Shamgar's name at the top of the map, the north end of the map, and Shamgar's name pointing to the, where the tribe of Naphtali was. And because the Israelites did not drive out the Canaanite inhabitants, chapter 1 tells us, the arrow is pointing to a city named Beth Anath. Remember, this is Shamgar, the son of Anath. And this city the last part of that name is Anath. Beth, of course, means house. You remember the city of Bethlehem, house of bread. Beth means house. And this city, the first part of the name means house, house of Anath. Shamgar, who was a son of Anath, likely came from Beth Anath, where the Canaanite goddess Anath was worshipped by the Canaanites. And so does that mean then that Shamgar was a pagan? Even some conservative scholars have concluded that. But again, I don't believe so. I believe that like Rahab the Canaanite who helped the spies because she believed in Israel's God was greater than the Canaanite God. And like Ruth the Moabite who would not go back to her people because she believed that Israel's God was a true God. The judge Shamgar, a converted Canaanite Gentile, had faith in the true God of Israel and ultimately God's plan of salvation to save His people. And that's why I think, and, that's, and again, that's why I think that about Shamgar. Because although there is only one verse about Shamgar in chapter 3, there is more information in the book of Judges about Shamgar in Judges chapter 5. And in Judges chapter 5, God inspires Barak and Deborah to write a song which includes a description of the days of Shamgar. If Shamgar was just some insignificant pagan who did one thing on one day and that was all, why would God later inspire 
Barak and Deborah in their song of victory to describe the time of Shamgar as the days of Shamgar. The days before their judgeship was the days of Shamgar. More than a day, more than a moment. And we'll look at those verses from chapter 5 in a moment. But let's first look again at verse 31. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines. In the middle part of verse 31, Shamgar killed 600 Philistines. Again, your map shows you that Shamgar likely came from the northern part of Israel. I've got his name up there. There's an arrow pointing to where they likely believed the city was. Certainly, that is the location of the tribe of Naphtali. But verse 31 tells us that Shamgar is killing Philistines. Where were the Philistines located? If you look on your map and you go south down the map from Naphtali, where you see Shamgar's name, you see the Mediterranean Sea, and then along the coast, Philistia. That's where the Philistines were located along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And if you go to Judges 5, verses 6 through 9, where Shamgar is mentioned for a second time in the book of Judges, you will see what Shamgar did against the Philistines was no small thing. In Judges 5, verse 6, God inspires Deborah and Barak to describe those days as in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, chapter 6, verse 1, or the first line. They describe them as a time period, the days of Shamgar. And that's not all. Look what they go on to say in verse 6. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. You see, Judges 5 is the victory song of the later judge, Deborah and Barak. In their song, God is inspiring them to describe the work of two Gentiles who were involved in saving Israel. Shamgar in the time before Deborah and Barak, who killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and Jael, who would later invite the enemy of Israel, King Sisera, into her tent when he was fleeing, give him some milk to drink, he would fall asleep, and she nailed a tent peg into his head to put him to death. And what were those days, plural, days like when the Gentiles were saving Israel? Again, going back to verse 6. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, two Gentiles who saved Israel, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. Do you see how God inspired them to describe the days of Shamgar and Jael? In those days, verse 6 tells us, the highways, the main routes, north and south, between the northern part of Israel, where the tribe of Naphtali was, to the southern part of Israel, near where the Philistines were, those highways were abandoned. It was too dangerous to travel on them. Why? Because the Philistines were sending out their raiding parties. The Philistines were known to do that. You must know that the Philistines, when they came as the sea peoples, they came down from the north, 
from around the Aegean Sea, from around what we know today as Greece and the island of Cyprus. That was where the Philistines had originally come. They traveled by boat. And historians believe that their target as they traveled by boat was to go down to Egypt. But Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had held the Philistines off. Instead of making it then down to Egypt, the Philistines would raid the shores of Canaan. They would send out raiding parties from their boats. Everyone, you see, even the Canaanites, dreaded the Philistines. Years before, the Philistines started out by sending those raiding parties from their ships to the shore to raid and attack villages. They would raid them of all their supplies and food, set the villages on fire, kill all the men, kidnap the women and children, and leave. And then they'd come back later, as you see on your map, and take possession of the land. And at the beginning of chapter 3, verse 3, we're told that by the time the Israelites were in the land of Canaan, the Philistines were already there. And look how they are described in chapter 3, verse 3. I put that verse on your outlines as well. This is the beginning of chapter 3. God tells the people in Judges 3, verse 3, these are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines. The Philistines were known even at the time of David and Saul for having five cities. Those five cities were under the rule of five different lords, five different kings. And from those cities and from the land of the Philistines, they became the peoples that were harassing God's people Israel. But now these raiding parties from the Philistines, look what they're doing during the days of Shamgar. Again, chapter, Judges chapter 5, verse 6, in the days of Shamgar, the sons of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. Travelers and caravans that carried the trade north and south throughout the land of Canaan, bringing goods back and forth being raided by Philistine raiding parties to the point that the roads are abandoned. The travelers and those bringing the cargo and the various goods having to take the back roads in the hills, the byways, lest their supply lines be raided. And what else does it say about the days of Shamgar? Verse 7, the villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose, I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Village life, that is, the normal daily life of commerce in the villages ceased during the time of Shamgar and Jael. One of our men at prayer meeting yesterday commented, this sounds like what's going on in Haiti. Maybe you remember our missionary from Haiti, Ben Hop reporting on what's going on in that nation right now. He can't go back and serve in Haiti. It's too dangerous. The president of Haiti assassinated last year. The government in Haiti has collapsed. There's no order in the streets in the country. The streets are abandoned. No cars on the road. There are raiding parties all around the city who participate in the stealing of goods, carjackings, and kidnappings. It's too dangerous to travel around during the day. 
The raiding parties have taken control of the food supplies. I'm sorry, the fuel supplies. So no one can get fuel. The commerce daily life of the city has ceased. Everyone locked in their homes. And you say to yourself, how could it get that way? And evermore, when you look at the days of Shamgar, you say to yourself, how could it get that way for Israel in the promised land? During the days of Shamgar, the people of Israel are weak and powerless at the hands of the enemy raiding parties. And how did it get that way? Verse 8 of chapter 5 tells us more. In particular, the time of Deborah and Barak, when new gods were chosen, they're not worshiping the true God, worshiping false gods. Then war was in the gates. These enemies not only were attacking villages and stopping the work of villages, but they're at the gates of the cities in Israel. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? They don't seem to have weapons. Where's their shield? Where's their spears? And what did God do in the midst of it all during the days of Shamgar? Let's look at verse 31 again. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goat. The first part of that verse starts out with, after him. Who's the him? Him is the previous judge Ehud who had saved Israel. After the judge Ehud who saved Israel, God sent Shamgar, the son of Anath. The son of Anath means that he was a converted Gentile that had come to know and love the true God. He lived in a town up from the tribe of Naphtali. He saw what the Philistines were doing to God's people. He knew the God of Israel was greater than the God of the Philistines. And so like Ehud, God raised him up. The last part of the verse says, to save Israel also. And what did Shamgar do? Shamgar was not a trained mercenary soldier who was trained in the art of war, who knew how to fight with the latest and the greatest of weapons. We're told that Israel didn't have any weapons in Judges chapter 5. Remember how God inspired Deborah and Barak to say in Judges 5, there was neither shield nor spear to be found among 40,000 in Israel. And so what did this converted Gentile Shamgar do? Shamgar was a farmer. He knew how to handle an ox goad because he had to plow the fields. And what did God raise him up to do to save Israel? He saw what the Philistines were doing to the supply lines of Israel. And Shamgar went down south with only an ox gold. And he killed 600 Philistines. 600 Philistines is a significant number in the book of Judges. That number was often used to describe an entire garrison of fighting men. Shamgar, the spirit of the Lord, Took them all on himself with an ox goad. 
and killed 600 of them. Now, an ox goad is something we don't use every day. The ox goad was a pole of about nine foot long. It had something on each end. On the one end, a long iron-shaped point. The sharper the point, the better it worked. It was something like we know today, like a cattle prod. And when the farmer was plowing his field with the oxen, and the oxen would get stubborn and not want to follow or go where he needed to go, the farmer used his goad and the point of the goad to point and to poke that oxen so that he would go and do what he was supposed to do. On the other side of the ox goad was something like a metal spade. That part of it was used to clean off the wet clay that stuck to the plow or the roots that gathered on the plow. Shamgar, the farmer, knew how to use one of those. And what did God equip him to do? He went out in faith, this Gentile, in Israel's God, and he defeated 600 Philistines with an ordinary farm tool. He killed them all. And what does it say at the end of verse 31? He also, like Ehud, saved Israel. And after him, after Ehud, like Ehud, he saved Israel. Just like God used the judge Othniel to save Israel, just like the God, God used Ehud to save Israel, so also God used Shamgar, chapter 31, a minor converted Gentile judge to save Israel. All of this confirmed later in Judges chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. I meant to put it on your outlines. It's not on there, but just listen to Judges 10. Verse 10 and 11. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, We have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and we have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, Did I not save you from the Egyptians, from the Amorites, from the Ammonites, and from the Philistines? When did God save the people from the Philistines? In the book of Judges. Shamgar the minor judge. We don't take Shamgar out of Judges chapter 3 and try to find a place for him later in the book under the time of the Philistines with Samson. God saved his people through the judge Shamgar in chapter 3. God saved his people through Shamgar the judge during the days of Shamgar, during the time before Deborah and Barak God used a minor Gentile judge to bring deliverance to his people, to point out their failures in the saving God who can deliver and save them. Sometimes we will see or know somebody who's a recent convert, Christian. And they're so excited about their faith and what they've come to know. And they sometimes put believers who are longtime believers to shame in what they believe God can do. 
And that brings us back to where we started our sermon this morning. Why did God put this one verse about the minor judge Shamgar right here in the book of Judges? Because Shamgar breaks the judge's pattern. And he shows how God can deliver his people through an unlikely man, through an unlikely means. Shamgar, the Gentile who came to faith, and God who raises him up to save his people. Shamgar is not someone that anybody would have expected. He's a farmer. He didn't save Israel because he was a trained military soldier, trained in the art of war and the weapons of war and how to take on the Philistines. He was a farmer who went off in faith in God with an ox goad. And the Lord was with him. And he killed an entire 600-man garrison of Philistine fighting men because they were harassing God's people. And what vertical, redemptive, historic salvation message does God reveal to us through the minor judge Shamgar? In your battle with sin, do you ever feel as defeated as the people of Israel were during the time of Shamgar? They had forgotten the Lord their God. They were worshiping other gods. And so when it came to their enemies, they were utterly defeated. They lived in fear, taking back roads, their daily life interrupted and shut down, locked inside, abandoning their villages. But God has sent someone greater than the minor judge Shamgar to save his people. God has sent his very own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to break the sin pattern for his people like he did with Shamgar. God did it in an unusual and unexpected way. Shamgar, the Gentile farmer, whose only weapon was a farm tool, an ox goad. And in the fullness of time, God sent his angel to a carpenter from Nazareth to tell him that his virgin bride-to-be was going to have a son. No one expected that. And because of the Roman decree for taxes, Joseph and Mary would have to travel to a small village called Bethlehem, house of bread, where the Son of God would be born and placed in a manger. His lineage would contain Gentiles like Rahab, who had faith in the God of Israel, Gentiles like Ruth, who had faith in the God of Israel. His lineage would contain the wording, a wife of Uriah the Hittite who believed Uriah in the God and salvation of Israel. And in breaking the pattern of sin for God's people and saving them from it, he would accomplish that salvation in a way that nobody would have expected. Instead of a trained mercenary soldier who would lead God's people against their enemies, against Rome, he would take on and defeat the offspring of the serpent the enemy of God's people, Satan, all on his own. Shamgar didn't have help. And like Shamgar, he would use an unexpected weapon by which he would utterly defeat the offspring of the serpent and save God's people. His weapon would be going to the cross, being buried in the tomb, and his resurrection from the dead. 
No one expected salvation like that. And in his victory over your enemies, sin and death, he has given you who believe in him, Jew and Gentile, a victory greater than Shamgar. He's given you a victory of salvation and eternal life, which is forevermore. God did not just leave his Old Testament people defeated in the time of the judges. He sent a deliverer, Shamgar. God did not just leave you as his New Testament people defeated in your sin, locked up in your homes with no hope. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save you. And do you know this Son of God, Savior, that God has sent? Or are you defeated and locked up? Or do you know and identify with His salvation victory over your sin and over death, which has given you salvation and eternal life forevermore? Are you defeated? Or do you know and identify with God's salvation victory through the Savior that has come? May you know that Savior. May you worship Him. May you identify with the salvation He has given you. Amen. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today for the Old Testament passages, the Old Testament judges that point us to your New Testament salvation. Lord, as we look at this Old Testament judge, as we see his faith, as we see how you raised him up, Lord, we see a greater Savior that has come. We see your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come to earth. We see, Lord, his humbleness. We see, Lord, how the time that he came, people did not know or understand who he was or what he had come to do. And we're thankful, Lord, for the unexpected salvation, a salvation victory which has come over sin and death, a salvation victory through His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave, which has given us salvation and eternal life, which is forevermore. Father, we're thankful for the words of prophecy from the prophet Jeremiah, which describe Him as King and ruler over all as He sits at Your right hand in heaven which describes him as the high priest, which is forever in the eternal realm. And Lord, as we live each day for him, united with him in his victory, Lord, we see the power and strength that we need each day to live in this sinful world. Father, the sin pattern described in the book of Judges, we can identify with that pattern. Our sin continues to repeat. Our failure to trust in you. But Lord, the scriptures today remind us that our Savior has broken that pattern. The scriptures today remind us that the victory has been given. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would instill in us an identification with our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and His victory, that we could live each day in the confidence, not in fear, but in confidence that we are His, and His salvation, eternal life, victory is for us forever. We pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.